Hi there, this is Jacob Msipa, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. Amen. Well, in this uh, season of festivities, Christmas season, while everybody else is focusing on everything else, we want to focus on Jesus, all right? We said this is the Jesus year, and this is going to be our last month um, of this Jesus year, and how many of you were blessed by the theme this year, the Jesus year? Uh, I hope that we are going to be even more closer to Jesus um, and we are going to enter into 2024 with our hearts at the right place. Amen. And we want to close it off um, uh, this month with the theme, I worship. I worship. Amen. Amen. Are you excited about this? Like you were waiting for, it's a season of my breakthrough or something like that. Amen. Hallelujah. There's breakthrough in worship. Tell your neighbor and say there's breakthrough in worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter number 2, I'm going to read verse number 1. Matthew chapter number 2, I'm going to read verse number 1, 2, and then 8 and 11. Right? From verse number 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men. I want you to know that wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Verse 2, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Tell your neighbor and say, worshiping Jesus is a wise thing to do. Verse number 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, this was Herod now, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Verse 11, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and meh, imure. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning. We pray that you may speak to us in Jesus' name. We pray, amen and amen. Let me start off by saying or reminding us, Bazalani, that praise is for every creature. Every creation, with or without breath. Worship is for all creation. Psalm 150 verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Whether you are born again or not, the Bible commands us to praise God. But not only is it for uh, 
creation with breath in their lungs, but also it is for creation without breath. Psalm 148 from verse number 1. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him all His angels. Praise Him all His hosts. Praise Him sun and moon. Praise Him all you stars of light. Praise Him you heavens of heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for He commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the depths. Fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfill his word. Mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and the heaven. And he has exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to him, praise the Lord. So when the sun is shining, it is praise unto the Lord. When the wind is blowing, it is praise unto the Lord. When the trees bring forth fruit, it is praise unto the Lord. Are we here, Bazalon? So all creation is called to praise the Lord. On the other hand, Bazalone, worship is for recreation. Not just the created ones, but the recreated ones. The Bible tells us in the book of John 4 verse 24 that God is spirit. So in other words, we relate with God. The only possible way to relate with God or to have a relationship with God, it is spiritually. That's why man is spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. Your body keeps you in touch with the world. Your soul keeps you in touch with yourself. But your spirit keeps you in touch with God if it is resurrected or recreated. If not, it connects you with the other gentlemen that I wouldn't want to mention in church. Are we here, Bazalwan? So the Bible tells us that God is spirit and they that worship him must do so in spirit. And this is the reason why the Bible tells us we must be born again. We must be born again. That was Jesus because um, he explained it to Nicodemus. He said that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So in order for us to worship God in spirit, God who is spirit and to worship him in spirit, then... We must be born again. We must be born again. Otherwise, it is going to be impossible for us to worship God. 
To be born again, it is to be recreated in Christ, according to Ephesians 2 verse 10. In the Amplified Classic Bible, it says, For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, and then it says, recreated in Christ Jesus. Born anew. Born anew. That we may be able to do those works that he has called us for. So when I am born again, I am recreated. That's why I'm saying worship is for recreation. Praise is for all creation. But worship is for just those who have been recreated in Christ Jesus. Are we here? There is a divine call to worship Jesus. There is a divine call to worship God. Are we here, Bazalwan? The fact that praise is for everyone, it does not mean that we must settle for that. Even though all of us qualify to praise God, but there is also a call to worship him. God demands worship from us as his people. That's why we must respond by being born again so that we can have the ability to worship him. So the Bible tells us where we have read that the wise men from the east, Mbumalanga, Langbuyakon, They came searching for Jesus. Why? What was their motive? They wanted to worship him. They wanted to worship him. There is something about knowing Jesus that commands you or compels you to want to worship him. So they came desiring to worship him. And indeed, the Bible tells us that when they found him, what did they do? They worshipped him. But understand, Barcelona, that worship is only for God, only reserved for God. And just to give us an idea of who this Jesus, who was supposed to be worshipped, who he is, it is the same Jesus in the book of Matthew chapter number 4 when he was tempted by Satan. The Bible tells us that Satan told him that everything that you see, I will give it to you if only you can bow down and worship me. And Jesus responds by these words. Can you imagine it's been the Siga Satan? He is demanding worship from somebody who is supposed to be worshipped. And Jesus responds to him by saying, It is written, You shall worship the Lord thy God. Only him shall he be worshipped. Now I want you to take note of this. I want you to take note of this. All throughout scripture, even angels themselves, they did not receive worship from men. Their appearance is full of majesty to a point that it can invoke worship from the heart of men. In other words, 
if you were to wake up early in the morning from your dream, let's say you were sleeping and you wake up and you see an angel, you wake up to an angel standing before you. The way that they are so majestic, it will invoke worship from your heart because they are divine beings who spend time in the presence of God to a point that it will be difficult for you to perceive that they are not necessarily God. And all throughout the scriptures, each time a, a man will attempt to worship an angel, the angel will respond by saying, do not worship me, I am your fellow servant. And that's why when we speak about Christ, the Messiah, as the one who has been there even before the beginning, you will realize that there is, a, there is a figure in the Old Testament referred to as the angel of the Lord. The other angels will be given names, Michael, Gabriel, but there's this figure referred to as the angel of the Lord. And he is the only one that when men bowed down to worship, they did not reject worship. And that's why even at this time, the Bible tells us that when the, when the wise men came, they wanted to go and worship Jesus and they were never stopped. And even when Jesus was telling Satan, you shall worship the Lord thy God, he was putting himself in the equation of God. Are we here, Bazalwan? And that's why I am saying there is that call for us and I know that uh, this comes from the innocent place. Let me tell you this, Barcelona. It is very, uh, how do I even put this? Possible, it is very possible for us to be Christians who are only devoted to God, but not to Jesus as God. Let me Put it this way, everybody desires to have a relationship with God. Almost every religion recognizes Jesus. And the only difference is that they don't see him as God. They reduce him to being a prophet. And literally as the son of God. And they don't know and understand the Bible's intention when it describes Jesus as the son of God. Remember, if being a son of God was just a simple thing, there's nothing to worry about. You must ask yourself, why did the Jews want to stone him when he said he's the son of God? Because he was implying that he is God. And in as much as we can say we are Christians, but I want to suggest to us that not many of us see Jesus as God. Yes, we love him. Yes, we mention him because his name has benefits. But our worship, I will just show us in a moment. We, we, we love him generally. We accommodate him. We tolerate him. 
For the sake of what we can get out of his name. But there is that call to all of us as believers, as we as believers, as we conclude this year, we declare it was the Jesus year. But I want us to end it on a note that says, don't forget that he's God. And he is expecting worship from us. Jesus is expecting worship from us. Not just to relate with him generally. Part of the equation in my relationship with God. Jesus is God. He's God. Jesus is what? Jesus is what? Let me, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. I am a husband to my wife, right? To her alone. And, but I am her lover. She's my lover too. And we relate as lovers on daily basis. We're having a good time. In so many different ways. And we can tell each other we love each other, buy each other gifts, and we can cruise in that level, right? And it can be easy for her to forget that I'm her husband. Because recognizing me as a husband puts me in headship. I can come with flowers and be so nice and be so down and, and make her tea. Right? Which I do. It's the least I can do. The woman is cooking for me. So the, the, it's the least I can do. I, mean, I can't cook to help myself. So it's the least I can do. I, I can buy meat and bring her food and serve her. And it can happen that she can forget that at the end of the day, this lover who makes me tea, who gives me food, who, gi who gives me whatever, is my husband. And, 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 and how does she get reminded the day I say no to something that she's asking for? And, and, and not because I have an explanation, just because I'm the head of the house. When she says, no, let's, let's change couches and I don't feel like it. I'm like, nah, we're not changing. Yeah. Then all of a sudden she remembers, oh, by the way, <laughs> the Bible says he's the head. As much as he's, so, 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 so it can happen. Jesus, he says, you can cast out demons in my name. You can, it can be nice. We can use this name and to a point of thinking that he is our servant. We can use him as we please and forget that, hey, he is God. It's not only about what we can get from him. It is mainly about what he can get from us. So there is that call to the transition of the level of worship. But that is highly dependent on our revelation of who he is. I'm not sure if we are together, Bazalwan. This call to worship, this call to worship is preceded by two things. Number one, it is preceded by sight. In other words, our eyes must be opened first. 
Because here, here is something that we need to acknowledge. All of us, we were born as sinners. What does that mean? We were blind when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to Jesus, who he is and what he has done. We were blind to that fact. Are we here? Second Corinthians 4 verse 3 puts it this way. But even if our gospel is failed, it is failed to those who are perishing. Those were us before we knew him. The Bible says the gospel was failed. In other words, we did not know really. We did not see Jesus. We knew him. We knew about him. All of us who grew up and we went to school, we are told about Jesus. Probably we grew up in families with Bibles. We've had this name Jesus. But but, but the gospel has been veiled. That's why we were not born again. Verse number four. Whose minds, the God of this world, referring to Satan, the small g, the God of this, uh, of this age has blinded. Who do not believe? The God of this world has blinded. Who did not believe? Now, in other words, when, we, when our eyes are blinded, we, we won't move to believing in Jesus for who he is and what he has done. Remember at the beginning of this year, I said, Jesus Christ, the, the power of Jesus lies on two things. Knowing who he is and what he has done. And believing that with all of your heart. So the Bible tells us that those of us who were perishing before we knew Christ, our eyes were blinded by the God of this age. He told us all the lies from all this world. And the Bible says we did not even believe. Right? Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on us. That's why the Bible tells us about another blind man. He was born blind. That's what the Bible tells us. And we know the story. Jesus prayed for him. He, he, he opened his eyes. Actually gave him new eyes. And told him to go and wash himself at the, at the, at, at the pool, which is the, the name of the pool is translated as sand. says, go and wash yourself. And the man comes back excited. Comes back, he can see. Man, it was. And then people around him doubted. They questioned this miracle to a point of confirming with their parents. And they say, indeed, our son was born blind. And they are saying now, do you mean that the person who opened his eyes, is, is it even possible for someone to open people's eyes? Do you mean that he is the Messiah? They said, we don't know. All we know is that our son was blind and now he can see. And even himself, he said, all I know is that I was blind and now I can see. And when he was giving his testimony, the Bible tells us, that they actually cast him out of the synagogue. Because it was their rule in the day. That if you dare talk about Jesus as the Messiah, you are going to be cast out from the, from the synagogue. And they did that to him. But I love how the story unfolds, Bazalwan. Listen to what the Bible says in John chapter number 9 from verse 35. It says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, take note, his eyes were opened. But he did not follow Jesus. He received a miracle. He benefited from this name. But he did not follow him. That's why Jesus had to look for him. 
He's testifying about Jesus' miracle. But he's not a follower. But Jesus, the Bible says, he heard. He heard that he was cast out. And when he had found him, he said to him, listen to this. Do you believe in the Son of God? You've received the miracle. But do you believe in the Son of God? Yes, you are saved. Maybe only your spiritual eyes were opened. But do you believe in the Son of God? Yes, your life has improved. You are better now because of knowing Jesus. Yes, you have benefited from this neighbor. Do you believe in the Son of God? Yes, you are now a member of Builders Church. Yes, you now have a pastor, but do you believe in the Son of God? So Jesus finds him. He says, thank you. You are testifying about me. You are telling them that you were blind. Now you can see because of me. But he asks him a critical question. In other words, how do you know me? Do you know me as the one who has performed a miracle for you? Or do you believe in me as the son of God? Listen, let let me show you how this man benefited from Jesus, but he did not know know who he is. Listen to him. Jesus says, Do you believe in the Son of God? Verse 36. He answered and said, Who is he? Lord, that I may believe in him. What a shock. He's been talking about Jesus just the other day. But when Jesus shifts it to the next level and says, let's talk about the Son of God now. Let's bring context to your testimony. So that it's not only about having received a miracle from me. It's not only about what I've performed for you. It's not only about how your life is taking shape. Because many of us, yes, our lives are improving. Just because of being acquainted with this name. Because you came, you found us preaching and talking about Jesus. And you took this name, you applied it in your life. Yes, it is definitely going to have effect. That's why Jesus says, he puts it this way in another place. He says, many will come and they will say, I've casted out demons in your name. I have healed the sick in your name. But he will say, but I did not know you. How is that possible? In other words, it is is possible that as a Christian, I can run with this name, use this name, benefit from this name, produce results with this name, but not have a relationship with the man himself. In other words, not know him the way that I'm supposed to know him. I have the look on the outside. I have the right gestures. I have all the right moves. I can speak Christianese. I look, I look like one, but Jesus will say, but I did not know you. So this man was running with the name of Jesus, testifying about Jesus, telling people I was blind. And now I can see there's this man I came into contact with. But yet he asks him, who is this son of God? So that I may believe. Who is this son of God? So that I may believe. And Jesus, in verse number 37, and Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, take this, Lord, I believe. That's the first. So for the first time, this man who has benefited from Jesus, for the first time, he declares his faith in Jesus. Just in case you are wondering, 
when we are talking about the growth path and we say the first step is I believe. This is what I talk, we are talking about. Not just to raise up your hand and say and just confess Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. We, are, we mean do you believe in him for who he is and what he has done. Who is he? He's the son of God. What did he do? He died on the cross. Why did he die? For my sins. Listen, it's possible to embrace the name of Jesus and not acknowledge its work. That's why many of us, we still, to try, we still try to work on our sins, work on ourselves, personal development. We put the name of Jesus aside because we, we don't really believe that the name of Jesus is enough to deal with our issues. <laughs> So first it must be sight. Our eyes must be opened so that we may see who he is. And number two, so that that can lead us to faith, believing. That's why the Bible says that, that, that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word, right? And it is by faith that we are saved. So in other words, when we see him as God reveals him to us for who he is, then what, what should follow is our faith. In him declaring our faith to say no you know what i believe in jesus not in 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 what he's able to do for me in terms of the benefits i believe in who he is and what he has done what did he do he died on the cross for my sins jesus's death was not the, because remember there were many other people who were crucified the same way that jesus was i mean there were two other people who were crucified with him. And even before him, there were many others who died, died in that way. But his death, his death was prophetic. It was purposeful. It was an assignment. So when I believe in his death, I must link it to my salvation. And not believe in his death and still try to save myself. How many of us still feel bad about the sins that Jesus has washed? I'm going to use an extreme example. Extreme example. Excuse my language. No, let me not use this one. <laughs> but let me use it. But let me use a lighter one. Let's say you've killed somebody. In your past life. And you came and you were born again. Do you know that it's easy for, for us to can believe that he has forgiven me for stealing. Forgiven, and still be condemned about the fact that I once killed somebody. Including the one who was not born yet. So um, that's the best way I can put it. And yet you can continue in your journey with God but still feel condemned about that. And, and you, you will still try and get to a place where you can find a reasonable explanation that can convince you that you are now fine. And it is difficult to accept that the blood has dealt with that. Yeah. But take note. Take note. 
Here's what I like. The, the, this man says, Lord, I believe in verse 38. Lord, I believe. Right? Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. But the following line, the Bible says, and he worshipped him. First is sight. Second is faith. And third is worship. Remember, the Bible says the demons believe, but they tremble. Fine, you say you believe in Jesus. What are you doing about it? You say you believe in Jesus, right? What are you doing about it? This man shows us what is supposed to take place in our lives. After we believe, it must be followed by our devotion to him. It must be followed by our worship unto him. I need to close. I need to close. I need to close. There are different types of worship. But for, for us to understand each other, Bazalwan, pause, just pause for, just for today. The thought of singing when I mention worship. Just for a moment. Because many of us, we sing nice gospel songs, but we, we don't worship God. Yeah. Our worship is still somewhere else. There are different types or kinds of worship. I want to mention five. Number one, there's what the Bible calls angelic worship. It's found in Colossians 2 verse 18. The Bible refers to it as false humility and the worship of angels what, what 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 does that mean it is when we fall in love with the supernatural manifestations and 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 many of us in church we are here in church yes we experience the miraculous but our problem is now that it has grabbed our hearts to a point of lifting the miraculous above god let me put it this way above jesus including putting the ones that Jesus has, has anointed to dream dreams, see visions. I, I believe in honor. We must honor servants of God, but I disagree with worshiping them. They represent God. They are not God. False humility that we see in the church where we will in a certain manner in front of our men of God. But in front of God, we are horrible. We, a, a church where, oh, men of God, oh, men of God. But, but you can't bow down at home before God. You can't bow down before God, even a church. There, there are other people who can't bow down during the time of praise and worship. But as soon as they, are, they approach the men of God, they are the first to bow. No, man. Even the angels. How many of you know that angels are probably even more effective and more anointed than many of us pastors? The things that they can do. But if men bowed down to them, the angels will say, don't. I am your fellow servant. 
In other words, what I'm doing, I'm just anointed to serve you with it. But it is not from me. It is from God. Right? This, have you ever seen people being destroyed by the good thing called the supernatural? You know that people who fall in love with the supernatural more than it is necessary. Then they are obsessed with dreams and visions and prophecy and, and miracles and whatever to a point of no longer desiring to hear from God, but they want to hear from prophets. Listen, here's the, here's the popular scripture that people quote. 2 Chronicles 20, 20. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established and believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Right? Let, let's, let's, let's use English to, to unpack that scripture. Let's, let's not go to the Greek and Hebrew. Let's just use English. It says, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established established and then and then take note the other english part believe his prophets believe in the lord your god you shall be established believe his prophets not believe in them believe them when they prophesy but don't believe in them you believe in god and you believe his prophets. Amen. And the mistake that we've seen in the body of Christ today, and this is the angelic worship, is that people believe in the prophets. Yeah. Their life is shaped by prophets. Prophet. It's like, unless the prophet speaks, I will not move. Yeah. And let me tell you this. I've been in the ministry for over 20 years. Wazalan. Let me tell you, I've seen people go crazy. Like literally go crazy because of being overly supernatural and spiritual than is necessary. I've seen people lose their minds, literally. I've seen people go back to Ugubai Zangoma and all of that. You know why? They fall in love more with the supernatural than God. As long as something has a supernatural experience, they will go for it. Irrespective of the source. You ask yourself, why would a person be mightily used by God and then all of a sudden... Switch and become Isango. Yeah. It's because Nalapo, there are supernatural manifestations, and what they are after, it is not God. They are after the manifestations themselves. That's why there are believers who will do anything just for the supernatural manifestation. They will do anything. Number two, then we have what, what I can refer to as Mammon worship. The message translation of Matthew 6 verse 24 puts it this way. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you will end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. Yeah. Then it says you can't worship God and money both. Yeah. This is just worship of not just money but, but you know, possessions. Where you are overly obsessed with possessions to a point when you lack them, it affects your devotion to God. Look, look at ourselves, Barcelona, when we are going through financial troubles. It's like our devotion to God decreases. It affects our posture, even in the presence of God. 
It's like, God, until you show me something in the bank account, I can't lift up my hands in joy, in adoration, in worship, in lifting. It's like you will, you will sit down, sulk, and seek for God's attention before we. It's like, oh, wow. That, that's why, you know, when, 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 you remember when Cain and Abel, you know, they, they both brought offerings. And I love this story so much because there are many lessons in it. So, so Cain comes and then gives his offerings, which was shabby, and then he sits down and then he's angry, he's upset because the Bible says God favored the other one. But I love God's attitude, mama. When God comes, he says, hey, why are you angry? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If there is one person I know who is not moved by our sulking, it's God. That God will look at you until you are strong, until you are right. It's like, have you, have you ever realized that? That's why Jesus tells us that do not worry about tomorrow because he knows you are going to waste your time. He says, be anxious for nothing but with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Make your request known unto God. So stop stressing. Pray. Stop, stop sulking. Pray. Talk to God about what you want. Because now we end up worshipping the situation. Oh, it's like, oh, I'm going through trouble. Um, it's like this thing now has become more prominent in your life than God. You talk more about your difficult situations than God. It's almost like now your situations are defining your, your joy, your day-to-day, -day, you know, response and actions. It's like every time. That's why many of us were even afraid to ask you. How are you? <laughs> Don't be the kind of a believer who is always ready to talk about your problems everywhere. It's like, I'm going through a lot. No, man. Chill. Sometimes, even if you are telling the right people you are going through a lot, but be quick to say, I'm going through a lot, but thank God. That he, I, 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 I am believing in him. I'm trusting that God is going to come through for me. Do not exalt problems. But let's flip it. Even in abundance. Because many of us, we are devoted to God when we are still asking. And once that breakthrough comes... All of a sudden, your money dictates to you where you go, when you sleep. Well, it determines, as a matter of fact, this is where the church of today, we can't do ministry properly because we need to check Abba Zalwane's schedule. And God into everyone's busy. Iman. Yeah, the only thing that is keeping you busy is your car, your money, because if you did not have money, you were not going to watch movies, you are not going to have outings that are not ending. Every weekend when I, I had plans, I had, I'm wondering. I'm a pastor of three campuses, but sometimes I am wondering, what are people busy with? What, what are people busy with? And you are saying, no, but you are a pastor, you have to be here on, on, on Friday, in, on Sunday, anyway. No, you don't know how many invitations. I get that I have to decline. Right just now, my wife can tell you, there were invitations for December that I declined. And I said, no, I'm not taking any invitations in December. I need to rest. I need to focus on my family. I'm not taking any. There's always stuff to do. There's only I can do. I can decide. to. It's like we complain about just three hours of coming to church as if you will be at the mall 24-7. 
It is when possessions have become our God. We, we, we worship them. Instead, it's like we, they, God must com- compete with your house, with your car, with, you know, you know, God must compete with your holiday. It's almost like, ah, uh, we, we can't serve because, you know, I'm not available. What are you doing? Somebody once said, if you are too busy to pray, then you are too busy. Let's take it to the next level. If you are too busy to serve God, then you are too busy. You need to relook your schedule because guess what? If our possessions get interrupted, guess who do we run to first? God. The one we were busy for. And the Bible puts it very clear. It says you can't serve both these things. You can't. You can't serve both these things. There must be one that is going to take center stage in our lives. You have a beautiful car. Thank God. But sometimes just pack it and come and worship. Come and worship God. I know you have a beautiful house. Sometimes lock it and just come and worship God. I know you have money. You can go to Sun City. You can go to America. You can go to on holiday for the whole. But sometimes just, 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 just put your money aside and just tell your money, I'm going to worship God. And if you want to be busy, let's go and worship to go together. Let's go and worship together. Listen, Barcelona, money is a very powerful, it is a very powerful force that if you don't know how to keep it under control, it will take over your life. Somebody puts it this way, money is a good servant, but a bad master. Once money can sense that you are, you are, you, you are weak, you can be controlled by money. Yeah. Our money will work you. Shame. Including just, just walking away from you. To shift your attention from God. It's like, hey, we, it's almost like even as pastors, we must understand, hey, Mfundis, we're still hustling, man. We are going to come. Once we are okay. It's almost like God will only accept us when we are good financially. No! Sometimes we need to learn to subject money to God's authority to say, you are not going to dictate to me how I feel about worshiping God, how I feel about coming to church, how I feel about serving. How I, we, we need to humble ourselves. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Oh, we, we are peace and we have families. No, we also, I also have a family. I'm also a father. I also drop off my kids at school every day to this day. And my wife also. Drop them off, pick them up. Even God took one day off. And he called it the Sabbath. God. 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 No when at 24-7. You are, not, you are not available. I, I, I always love this one. I'm busy with exams. Wow. You, you are the first to write exams. Ne? And when you are writing exams, you are studying. It's like you wake up, you are studying from the time you woke up to the time you, 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 you went to bed. You were studying. Wow. I was so impressed by King. Where's King? Oh, he's in Telmas. King, when we went to Godly Men, uh, Chance Connect in, in Hillcrest, he was writing exams. 
He was in the middle of writing exams. Yet he went. In between breaks, he's studying. And then he attended a session. Then he wrote an exam. He didn't die. He passed. In my history of pastoring, those who are busy during exams, those who are not available, I have seen many of them, not all, but many of them fail. I'm like, wow. What happened? Because even God himself did not disturb you. You trusted yourself. Even God himself stood like he's like, oh, this one. Angels, don't, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, don't even remind we are bothering this person. <laughs> Number three, then the Bible talks about ignorant worship. Ignorant worship. What kind of worship is this? Worshiping the one you do not know. In Acts chapter number 17 from verse 22, then Paul stood in the midst of, uh, of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. Verse 23, for as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, he says, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. He says they had all, he said, number one, they were very religious. Two, he says, you have all the objects of worship. You have the right clothes. <laughs> you even have a church you attend. You even have the altar. <laughs> Your name is on the database. But you don't know him. There's the one whom you worship without knowing, he might proclaim to you. For my worship to be effective, I need to study God. I need to know God. Read his word so that I can know more about him. So that my, that's why the Bible says praise him with understanding. Not ignorantly. Because before you know it, I can be burning candles here. And look very religious with it. Only to find that. Because if I study God, there are things that I begin to realize that it looks religious. And it's not wrong to do it. But you don't have to do it. And when you don't do it, it does not affect God. It affects culture. It affects us with our own mindsets, and, but it does not affect God. It's like when we were born, we were naked, all of us. No one came with sets of clothes. All of a sudden, we think our worship can be affected with how we dress. Wow. It's like somebody can, I can walk in like this. And somebody can say, is he the pastor? Wow. Well, this, look at how he's dressed. It offends you, but not God. Because the more I know him, the more I realize God is looking for my heart. I'm not saying I must be shabby on the outside. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes we overemphasize these things and we become very religious about them. And yet it lacks heart. 
It lacks heart. I don't want to look, I'll be wearing all of those garments on the outside. And in my heart, I'm not a man of God. Because before you know it, even my kids will be calling me apostle at home. And that's not what I want. That's not what I want. I mean, I mean, your kids will humble you. When you wake up, you are at home. You, 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 are, you are their father. It's not like Nati shows up. Oh, hey, pups. Like, I will, I'm not glowing in the dark at home. I'm a father. So sometimes we take ourselves too serious. We become so religious. You're, like, you're expecting that when you show up, everybody must fall to the ground. Chill. Jesus was so chilled, he only caused people to fall down when he wanted to prove. When they asked, we are looking for Jesus. Yeah. Hey. Okay, let me just show them. Just, but all along, he was chilled. They were around him, nothing was happening. So sometimes you just need to know how to relax. Know the time to step into your zone and your office. But outside of that, be human. Because at the end of the day, I also get tired. I go to the toilet. I get hungry. I mean, Jesus. Yes. I mean, Jesus. The Bible says he was hungry. Jesus. After having fasted 40 days and 40 nights, you would think that he, he received supernatural strength from somewhere. But the Bible says he was hungry. Jesus cried. He wept. Jesus was in pain, in agony. That's the human side of him. He had compassion. But you know, we become even more religious than God. God himself is like, wow, I can't even get to that level of... I'm God, but hey, because God says, be holy because I am holy. So where do we derive our holiness from? From God. So we need to ask ourselves, what makes God holy? Is it, is it not wearing pants? Is it not wearing a cap? What, what, is, what is it that makes God holy? It's like when, when, when a woman is wearing pants, we say, no, I can't But, Chill. Know God. Know God. Know his heart. Know what is it that moves him. And what does not, I mean, you, you, you can wear all the right things on the outside and still be full of pride, full of hatred, full of jealousy, full of all bitterness, anger in your heart. Sometimes we just need to relax. Look at us. Many of us, when we were still in the world, we were the most kindest people. You used to share your alcohol with your friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You used to share your cigarettes with your friends. You used to buy things for your friends. You were the nicest, generous until you became a Christian. Now you are a Christian. All of a sudden. Number four, vain worship. I don't have time. I need to close. Sorry for preaching so long. Vain worship. This is the kind of worship that Jesus says, these people worship me with their mouths, but their heart is far away from me. And he says, in vain they worship me. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That is vain worship. Why? Because listen, everything I teach you and you become devoted to becomes worship. So Jesus here was saying, see busy with doctrines of men, with commandments of men. 
That's why I love Paul. Paul, in some, in some places, he would talk about, this is me. It's not God. This is me. This is my view. And where he's talking about covering of heads and wearing a hat and whatever, right at the end, he says, we have no customs. Just in case someone wants to debate, he says, in this, we don't have any custom. So that he, he shows you that there was a reason why I was putting this in place in the church, but it is not a custom. In other words, I must not build doctrine from it. That's why I get shocked today when people are still arguing about whether or not women must preach. I'm like, which Bible are these people reading? And they, they run to Paul. They say, Paul said, I do not allow a, a, a woman to, I issue I, I, King James, I suffer not a woman to teach. I was like, oh, wow. 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 The same Paul who, who, who had deacons that he was working with, who were women, appointed prophetesses and, and all of that. The same Paul. And now you want to build a doctor. My wife will preach. In this church, my wife, Pastor Hope, will preach. All of the women, they will stand here and preach. Because the Bible says, in him there is no male nor female. We all have the spirit of God. If we think it is my gender that makes me anointed, then we, are, we, are, we have lost it. Listen, it is the anointing. The anointing and the call of God rest on anyone. Number five, then we have true worship. Those who worship me, they must do so in spirit and in truth. As I close, what is worship? Worship, number one, it is sacrifice. Let's stand on our feet. Paul puts it this way. He says, Brethren, I beseech you to give your bodies as a living sacrifice. He says, holy and acceptable to him. That, and then he says, that is your reasonable act of worship. To be able to sacrifice your life for him. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, our lives, as we say we believe in God, as we say we believe in God, our lives, our lives, are, are, are they a sacrifice to him? Are we devoted to him? Have we given ourselves fully to God, fully to him, so that God can get anything from me anytime and anyhow? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Now you're wondering probably why did I read that opening scripture? I love it because... The Bible says the wise men were searching for Jesus because they wanted to worship him. Herod, on the other hand, upon hearing, the Bible says he was greatly troubled. And he says to the wise men, man him taller, if you find him, bring me a word. Then he says, so that I also can go and worship him. But take note the difference here. The motive that Herod had was not the same as the wise men. Herod pretended to want to worship Jesus, but he wanted to kill him. And I need to ask myself this one thing, because the Bible says, man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. As I come to church every Sunday, 
as I have my name on the database, what is my motive? Do I truly want to be a worshiper of Jesus? Is Jesus God in my life? Many of us, we love him as the Savior, but we are struggling with him as Lord. Does he dictate what happens in our lives? Can Jesus take over your life and tell you what to do, what not to do, what to eat, what not to eat, what to drink, what not to drink? Can Jesus tell you which places to go to, which places not? Or we serve him according to how much convenient it is to me. I check if is it suitable. Or can I allow my, my passions, my desires to go beyond Jesus' lordship in my life? Because listen, worship, it is when I choose to lay down my life, deny myself of certain things for the sake of the one I regard as greater than me. That's worship. Before I sing a song, it begins with how much do I honor this person that I have a relationship with? Can God truly invade our lives? Can we have the kind of a relationship that I say, I know him, he knows me, and I will not move if he says I must not move, or I will forever adjust when I am inconvenienced, I will adjust. Until I can be fine and then I'll come back. And, but but can, the question is, can God inconvenience your life? Listen, if I can ask you, if you are, if you are a, a, a person who is not married in this church, ne? you are still single, but maybe you are a lady or, or a man and you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Can God tell you to break up with that person and you break up with them? That's worship. The question is, who do you worship? Can God come and say, that's not the kind of a relationship, no matter how much you love this person. Can God take them away from you? Can you lay them down for the sake of your relationship with God? Or it's like, God, please touch me with your presence. Leave my boyfriend alone. Listen, Barcelona, I've, I've, I've seen many of us who are so religious on the outside. We claim to be Christians, but many of us, we don't know God. We don't have a relationship with him. There are certain things that we are too comfortable with. And you ask yourself, what are we doing? But many of us, more committed than us being committed to our God. Listen, if you must do one, two, three, and four. You must find a white goat. You must go. You must not talk to anyone. You must slaughter at this day. You must do this. They will follow those instructions to the T. But us, we feel like we have a privilege of answering back to God. We feel like we have a privilege of adjusting God's commandments. I will do this, God, but on condition you adjust this and that and that. And no wonder many of us, in most cases, we end up blaming God about the decisions we, we took and overrided everything that we knew 
that God, I mean, I was talking to somebody and they were asking me an advice about something that they know it's Christian doctrine number one. Two, I've been preaching and teaching about it for years. And they've been sitting under my ministry for years and they're asking me and I said, what more do you want me to say? I said, I've taught you everything around this matter. Now go and why, why do they come and ask? They want me as a man of God to adjust it for their sake, just to make them comfortable. No, it doesn't change. It doesn't change. If God, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today and forever. So why do you want my opinion? As a matter of fact, in, some of the, in many of these things, my opinion does not even matter. You'll go and do it anyway. You've been doing it anyway. But because we've been hypocrites for a long time, the church is full of hypocrites. We want to appear religious, holy. We, we want to be orderly and correct at church. But we know deep down in our lives, in our lives, outside the three hours we are here in church, we, are, we, are, we do whatever that we want. And then now you, are, you appear, you want to appear as, no man, let us sort ourselves out, Bazaran. Let's, God is not going to bless who you are pretending to be. God wants the real you. If you know that there are some issues in your life, be real with God. Be real with us as your pastors, as your leaders. Don't, don't try and... Uh, yes, yes, man. Hey, Barcelona. No, man. No, man. No, man. No, we, we, are, we, are, we, are, we are enslaving ourselves. We are in bondage. We are not, that's why we are not free. We are not free. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Your Christianity must be liberation. Don't, don't live your Christian life dodging bullets. You are, you, are, you are no, man. Just chill. Be yourself. Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, our heart and prayers that we want to know you. We want to know you, Jesus, so that we can truly worship you for who you are. We, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. Not pretending to, to be your, your follower, your, your worshiper, but may we be true to your word, to your commandments. May we have a genuine relationship with you. That's all that we want, to have a genuine relationship with you. Father, even when you asked Jacob, what is your name? He, he was honest. He said, I'm Jacob. The one who is, who is not honest. The one who, who, who steals. The one who is a thief. And you said, I will change your name. I'm, I'm just wondering if he pretended to be a prince with you. If he pre pretended to be the great one before you, he would have missed an opportunity to be transformed by your power. Therefore, as from today, Lord, we are committing. We want to be true worshippers. Not, not to worship vainly not to worship ignorantly not not to to worship even the supernatural or even the things that you give us and do for us all of these things we are grateful for them lord we are grateful for them but may they not take your place in our lives and in our hearts we live to worship you we live for you you are you are the only person who is supposed to determine our rising up and our sitting down 
Father, we give you praise. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give Jesus a big hand of praise. Thank you once again for listening to the message today. We trust that you were blessed by it. Please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week. Thank you very much and keep on building.